0: And the ones that were doing okay before now are doing brilliantly. Visit CTC Math today and start your free trial. That's ctcmath.com.
1: Well, hello, everybody. I'm Hal. And I'm Melanie. And we want to welcome you back to another episode of Making Biblical Family Life Practical. Last episode, we were talking about the value of teaching history and how that's really something that scripture records, that we are not only given a lot of history in the scriptures, but children are told to ask their elders, to ask their parents, you know, to to have memorial feasts where they talk about the history of God's working in their community. And so there's a value to teaching history. Um, that's given as as an example in the scriptures.
2: Also, learning history helps us to make decisions today. Mm -hmm. As we know how things happened in the past, it can give us wisdom to know what what works well and what doesn't work well. Mm -hmm. It also helps us to understand our culture and other cultures better when we understand the history that went into making that culture.
1: Mm Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we talked about that at some length in the last episode, but there was just so much we wanted to cover. We, we decided we'll just continue the conversation. One of the things we talked about last time was using source documents. Primary going, source documents. Going at to primary source documents.
2: And so what that is, is that something written at the time the history was occurring. Something someone present, an eyewitness wrote.
1: Mm-hmm. And you know something related to that you know you talk about the Federalist papers. those were people that were that were making the arguments for and against certain certain measures in the Constitution while it was still being resolved. and of course there's the anti-federalist papers which have the other side recorded, but those are participants in the act. you know one of the things that I thought about while we were talking is there's a value in not just the personal accounts but in the, the, uh, the contemporaneous history, the histories that were written sometime close to that time. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, like, for example, <clears throat> excuse me, in, in our church right now, we are studying through the book of Acts, you know, great historical book, and there's so many links to, to things which are recorded in secular history. And I find myself, as I'm teaching through this, that um, I often will refer to uh, Josephus who was a, a Jewish slash Roman historian that was writing in the same generation, maybe not at the same time, but just a few years after the events that are recorded in the book of Acts. And you can you can look at his accounts in history and compare those to scripture. And sometimes you see there's, you know, there's a little bit of disagreement understanding what was happening. But Since to,
2: Josephus was coming from a different perspective He was entirely. coming from a
1: different perspective entirely. But to see that he has a lot of the backstory of, for example... The Romans who were involved in, that that show up in the book of Acts, Tacticus was, was a Roman historian in like the next generation, but he was close to that time, and so he had access to people who were eyewitnesses, just as Luke had access to eyewitnesses in writing his Gospels, you know. And so those are useful things, you know. Another one, more recent, Alexis de Tocqueville, oh yeah, Democracy in America. He was a Frenchman. Who traveled in the United States in the early 1800s and wrote a two volume book, which I think is really good to, to read, you know, because he, he observed what, what made America different. Yeah. You know, the French had just been through a revolution and it was kind of inspired, not very well, but it was they sort of got their impetus from the American Revolution.
2: But they had a different culture and different religious beliefs mm-hmm. and different. Well, different moral values, and it ended yeah. in a much bloodier and uglier way than the than the United States Revolution. Well,
1: the American Revolution didn't didn't uh, end up in an emperor, right? An authoritarian dictator, and so de Tocqueville was interested. You know, what's different about the Americans, and spent you know quite a bit of time over here traveling, and so it's interesting because he's got an eyewitness account of what the early 1800s looked like as he traveled around through the cities and the rural areas and the the frontiers in the United States at that time.
2: And and it's really interesting because some of the conclusions he made, like he believed that America's system of democracy would only work with a moral religious people. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it was interesting to read his perspective on our early nation and what it looked like and what the causes and effects were. You know, so yeah, contemporary histories or re- or close in time histories. Right. You know, this sounds funny, but I think historical fiction is a great way to l- to learn history. If yes, you choose historical fiction that's historically <coughs>
1: accurate. I was going to wonder if you where were you going to go with that because there is a lot of stuff which has a historical framework,
2: but is fantasy.
1: It is. Ba- yeah, it's basically. 21st century values imposed back on the historical situation where it wouldn't have made any sense. Right. And so.
2: Well, I think I, I've learned a lot <clears throat> of history from reading the books of G.A. Henty, H E N T Y, because he was, well, he was a war reporter in part of his yeah. time. He was an amateur historian. Right. And when he wrote those books, which are fictional, with fictional characters right. alongside the real characters, he did it with the histories open around him yes and so they're extremely historically accurate mm-hmm. but because it's a it's told from the perspective of a of a young English lad you, yeah. you get wrapped up in the story and, it, and it's very very easy to learn and it's almost impossible to remember the, to forget the details
1: right and and in that kind of framework you're following the story of the fictional character that's put into that historical venue um, <clears throat> and you kind of see well how did the events of that time impact the average person? What kind of impact did that have on this young man's family or on his prospects of, of starting a career or finding a mate and starting a family? Well,
2: you know, I will never forget what the Siege of Harlem was all about mm-hmm. because I read it in one of the G. A. Henney novels and it was so compelling the, what, the, what these people went through that mm-hmm. I could not possibly forget what that was all about.
1: Well, I think a related thing is when you can, um, when you can find a reasonably accurate historical movie. Yes. And again, there are some that are just completely fantasized, but there's there's others which are pretty close to, pretty close to history. You know, an interesting one. Um, I had an opportunity some years ago to interview Robert H. Patton, who was the grandson of George Patton, of the uh, World War II fame, and I asked him. <clears throat> he's a historian and a journalist himself now and i asked him well, what did, what did the family think about the george c scott movie we know as patton and he said you know the family had a uh, had a, a private showing before the film was released in the theaters and he said my father wept he said wow. the only the only thing that he that he criticized was he said george c scott would had a lower voice than his father you know general general patton did Patton actually had a, quite a high voice, and that was part of the reason he uh, adopted such a profane public speaking style was to kind of counteract his um, his high tenor normal voice for speaking. But, but, you know, he said the movie was accurate, and it was a good characterization of what his family understood about General George S. Patton. So, you know, when you find something like that, that can bring to life, like, The um, Darkest Hours, the film oh, yes. that just came out a couple of years ago. About Winston Churchill I've read thousands of pages of Churchill biographies and I thought that the movie you know it they did a couple things for dramatic smoothness there but the characterization of Churchill in that film was right in line with all the biographies I've read I thought that really brings him to life in a remarkable way
2: well, you know, Sergeant York mm-hmm. really helped understand some of what was going on in, in the World War II, in World War One, mm-hmm. and the trench warfare and the fear of not knowing what's over the hill. And you know, I love the movie Sergeant York. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got a, we've got a lot more we need to say about this, but right. let's take a moment and thank our sponsor. Mm-hmm. Let's have a word from our sponsor because that's what makes these podcasts possible.
1: Okay, we'll be right back.
2: support is from TBN.
1: Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the Biblical Highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it in theaters September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the Biblical Highway. Information at route60.movie. That's route60.movie. Okay, so we're, we're talking about teaching history and making it come alive for your kids, you know. And um, we were just talking about the role of fiction and of film, video, um, that, that could be useful for that.
2: And, you know, some video is like documentary.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And some is more fictionalized, but if they're historically accurate, both are useful. Right. But one thing I wanted to mention mm-hmm. is the the making history really come alive to our kids by doing field trips
1: you know hands-on history i think of which you know it, it, at first glance you might think well i mean i can't go out and build history you know it just is but really to go out and to try to experience it i remember a couple of things that we did when our kids were younger we went to some uh like national park uh, places you know, national battlefields, military historical parks and things like that. And walked through the course of the battle, you know, that we talked about, we went to Manassas to the battle of, of first bull run.
2: You know, one that really sticks in my mind mm-hmm. is the battle of Calpins. Uh yeah. Because we went there with our kids yep. and I remember walking that battlefield and talking about, mm-hmm. talking about why these less experienced <clears throat> um, um, American soldiers were able to beat the British. That when they fell back, mm-hmm. that the excitement of the British in pursuing them because they thought they were broken, mm-hmm. that they were able to turn the tables on them and win and win the battle. Oh
1: well, yeah, another Revolutionary battle was uh, like the Battle of King's Mountain. Yes, where there was a British detachment that was on top of a of a rise, like a like a little mountain, a, a hillock or whatever, and. Uh, they were surrounded by the Americans, and uh, I knew from my research in genealogy exactly where our ancestors were placed on that battlefield. So I walked our our boys out there and said, "Now look, the the British are up on top of this hill, and you are down here. You've got to get up to them. You know? Can you imagine what that would have been like with the with the bullets raining down on you to climb this hill? Because it wasn't just a matter of a of a slope; it was like a bluff that they had to climb up." And that's not really obvious if you look at the maps and the books, but when you stand there and you look up that hill and think, that's going to be a stiff climb and I've got to avoid getting shot on the way
2: and carry my gear and my giant my giant gun and everything
1: else. And then when I get to the top, then I'm going to have a fight.
2: You know, it because it's so it's so much more real when you're there and especially taking the time to watch the film that they have there at right. the at the park to walk through the museum and to see the artifacts that they have Mm -hmm. and then walk that battlefield. It's really powerful. I can't still talk about those trips, but you know, a lot of people don't live anywhere near historical parks that they can go to or they may not, or, they may be studying a period of time that they don't live near anything like when we studied ancient Rome we couldn't afford to take a trip to Italy
1: no so we just had to bring Italy to us we
2: did a roman feast and you know the kids still talk about that mm-hmm. yeah you know, we we used sheets and made togas and we invited the grandparents and everybody laid down on the floor to eat it was it was funny and silly it it took it took letting go of some of your adult pride to right. participate right. but it made a huge impact on our kids
1: you know, and, and we look at the highlights of history that make it into the history books, and sometimes we don't we don't fully give credit to just the everyday stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, when
1: you go to a, like a living history event or you've got a reenactors event, you know, it's not just the battle lines that are interesting, but how did they live? What what was it like on a day-to-day basis? You know, what, how did they cook? What kind of bed did they sleep in if they had a bed, you know? And when you go to things like anywhere in the country... There was a period where people were new to the area, where they were settlers, or there were indigenous tribes there. And to go out and to say, you know, this is this is where people lived. This is where they hunted. This is where they raised their families. This is where they were exposed to the weather and had to figure out how to deal with that. Well, you know, when
2: we were traveling through the Dakotas mm-hmm. last couple of years ago, right? I remember stopping at one of the Loringles Wilder homesteads mm-hmm. and seeing exactly what was meant by a soddy. Oh, right wow yeah you know to think about living in that hole in the hill
1: well literally yes
2: yeah. you know with dirt walls and dirt floor and how in the world would you keep anything reasonably clean
1: mm-hmm. exactly. you know, it,
2: it would it made it a lot more real to understand the sacrifices they were making
1: right so you know that's part of the reason i think for studying history is to recognize that people had to work really hard to pass on things to our grandparents and our parents and to give us the country that we have now. They took risks and they made a, a hard investment. I wish I could quote it right off the top of my head, but John Adams was explaining to the French, I believe, after the war. He said, we studied the arts of war so that my children can study the arts of industry and yes. manufacturing and science. And they study so that their children can study art and music and poetry. And, and he, you know, he was saying... We, yes. we at different points in our history, require different sacrifices. But they had a forward look to say, you know, one day my children are going to have a better world because of the word work that I've done. Yes, and we can look back and say, and I'm thankful that our ancestors did that work.
2: Absolutely. Um, yeah, history is just so valuable to today. It can be so much fun if you let go of the idea that it's just a bunch of facts to memorize. Mm-hmm. that instead it's story and it's real people and real things happening. You know, I remember a friend talking about every year at Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. now we have too much stuff in our attic for this, Yeah, but they go live in their attic for a couple of days and pretend like they're on the Mayflower.
1: What a great idea. I mean, because, because it you know, to be up there and there's no air conditioning, there's no heat to speak of, there's... Uh and you're surrounded by rafters, and you're bumping your head every time you stand up. That's yeah. very much what it was like <laughs> below decks.
2: It really made them appreciate what our forefathers went through to get here. You know, to have a, religious freedom.
1: You know what that sounds like? What that sounds like the Old Testament feast of tabernacles.
2: It really does. Where they would
1: set up little shanties of, of branches up on the roof of their house, and they would they would all go camping. The family would go camping to remember the time of the Exodus. Yeah. So you know those kind of things. You can do those kind of things, and they will make remarkable uh, milestones in your kids' memories. They'll carry those things forever, as well as understanding their place in history.
2: They'll never forget it. And the memories that you build together as a family mm-hmm. tie your knit your hearts together. Because her kids. You know, have a connection with each other as they talk about the things that we've done, the things we learned, the places we went together. Those are, it builds friendship among your kids, too. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, because shared experiences are one of the foundations of friendship.
1: Right. And you know what? I am thankful that our, that our sons and daughters are not only siblings, but they are friends. They are. They legitimately love one another and they enjoy one another. And I think part of that's the foundation that we laid in our family—that we, we do things together as a family, and enjoy ourselves together, and we have those memories to bind us to, together going forward.
2: So y'all study history with your kids and really enjoy it. Hmm. It's a lot of fun, and leave leave behind the idea that history is about worksheets or papers or memorizing things, because there, there's a place for that, but it'll come naturally as they continue in school and as they grow and learn. But the big important part of history is learn
1: the stories. Learning the stories.
2: Learn the stories, and that's the part that will make all the rest of it interesting. Because when you know the story and you care about what happens, then you want to know what else was happening at the time and what happened before that and what happened after that.
1: All right. Well, look, we hope that you enjoy history as much as we do, and that your kids will enjoy history as much as ours have. And uh, we appreciate you joining us. For If you didn't see the first episode, didn't hear the first episode, please go back in the archives and, and listen to that, because we've got more reasons To study history and to enjoy it together.
2: And more about how to enjoy it. Uh Also, be sure to rate us wherever you listen to podcasts so other people can find us. Yes. And you can check out all of our resources Mm -hmm. at RaisingRealMen.com. We have a great living history resource called Hero Tales from American History, written by Theodore Roosevelt and Mm -hmm. Senator Henry Cabot Lodge. You need to find Hero Tales. It's so cool. Find it on our website at RaisingRealMen.com slash shop. You can find A Cry From Egypt that we mentioned in the first episode and lots of other things that will help you to make history come alive for your family.
1: Outstanding. All right. Well, look, we do appreciate your time with us here. And until next time, I'm Hal. And I'm Melanie. And thanks for joining us. Bye, y'all. You've been listening to Making Biblical Family Life Practical with Hal and Melanie Young. If you found this program interesting, challenging, and encouraging, why not join us on the web? at halandmelanie.com that's h-a-l-a-n-d m-e-l-a-n-i-e dot com or follow us on social media you can find us on facebook at facebook slash Melanie, or facebook.com slash raising real men this program is a production of the ultimate homeschool radio network join us next week when we'll be back to talk about making biblical family life practical until then thank you and god bless you for listening